Mean Gene, the steel cage is the most brutal arena of human competition. It is the last resort, man. All right, here we go. Episode three of Steel Cage Carnage is on the air. Finally, after several attempts, fanboynation.com, here the home of Steel Cage Carnage. Episode three. I don't know what you're talking about. We, we, this is the first, this is our, we're a one take show. Yeah, that's what I said. We do it in one take, absolutely knock it out of the park every time because we are GD professionals. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. That's right. All right. So, had a couple of things go on over the, uh, Oh, since we've last talked. Yeah, and you know, we talked in, in pre-production <laughs> for this podcast about the idea that we're leaning heavily uh, WWE and, and trying to rack our brains thinking about things that per uh, pertain to TNA to talk about. But aside from, you know, the thing we didn't mention last week, which was that uh, their signature event, Bound for Glory, this year will be in Corrigan Hall in Japan. Uh, not really much news going on with TNA because I don't watch the show. I don't, know, I don't think they're doing the uh, that tournament either. They do the Bound for Glory tournament that they have for Bound for Glory. Oh, good because that it was just a mess with that like was... the thirty with the point system and the and the teams. Like, was it, it teams? Yeah, wasn't it? it was it? Like, oh no, no, uh, that's the Team Challenge Series from AWA. Oh, okay. You sure Sergeant Slaughter wasn't leading a band of job guys? This, and... No, it's a sni- he was the snipers. There was the Baron's Blitzers. The yeah, they were going for the turkey at that one one of the events, and Colonel De Beers lost. Yeah, TNA has the same thing: the Wolf Blitzers <laughs> and the um, the Turkey Bowl. Turkey you mean their bowl? You mean their booking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just had a vision of uh, I, Fritz von Erich uh, patting, uh, holding a press conference and patting his son uh, Chris on the chest, going, "He's going to go to the Turkey Bowl." <laughs> God. Well, there's our first uh, step That's to hell. Long range. Uh, way to go for that uh, reset. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, so that's why we're not talking a whole lot of TNA. We're talking mostly Raw and SmackDown because that's the best thing going on right now, really. Even though some people hate the fact that John Cena is a champion still. <laughs> I don't mind as much. I mean, it'll work. What are you gonna do? again? We've said before. What are you gonna do when you're when your other champions are dropping like flies, getting hurt? Well, yeah. Who else are you gonna put the? He, he's still selling. I what, what is it that I read that the number two guy in the company selling merchandise. John Cena is selling three times more merchandise than that guy. Is it that guy they don't speak of? Because he no, it's, I think it's like Daniel Bryan or something like that. Oh, okay, but, but yeah, of course they're going to put the belt back on him. But we talked about that last week, anyway. <laughs> so, but, uh, what, what happened this week with uh, Cena and the Authority? Oh, the Authority was off this week, weren't they? They're on vacation. But we'll talk about that. But let's talk about one of the things that happened before Raw was well between Raw, between SmackDown and Raw is um, Santino Morella had to announce his retirement. For due to neck injury. Right. In ring competition. I didn't know we were going to get right into that. I thought we were going to build up to that. It's oh, kind of a sorry. big thing, Fran. Uh, All right. One of the most Indie show. enduring characters in WWE history announcing his in ring retirement. I kind of thought that would be a special segment on its own because Santino Morello has given us a lot of really memorable moments and really busted his ass and came in as a legitimate fighter and, and trained to be a pro wrestler, turned into a comedy gimmick, embraced it, and really hit it out of the park. But no, we'll just go right into that now. That's fine. Oh, we are we are an independent show, so we can have our high spots and that make no sense. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so yeah, Santino's gone, or he's going to be gone. He's not re- he's wrestling anymore. It means he's be doing more uh, random uh, random iced tea commercial or twisted tea commercials. 
I love that Twisted Tea commercial, looking back on it. Because like, now, this week, Adam Rose is on uh, Superstars. So wow. if he that could do quick. Twisted Tea commercials, you know, I would, and then keep him on Raw, like that would make me happier, because <laughs> I really like Adam Rose. I do, too. But Santino, you're right, was an enduring character. I mean, I like, one of the things I remember was the honkometer that he had when he was Intercontinental Champion. Didn't quite reach the record, but, you know, he, he tried. You know, even though he was... I mean, he had some moments, too. He was the the one, quote-unquote, job guy, like, in the last decade or so that, you know, when he had that, what was it, he was, like, one of the last two in the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago? Yeah, with like, uh, Del Rio. No, no, like... The crowd was crowing crazy. Well, of course, because he's beloved at this point. Maybe not by uh, Jim Cornette, but he's beloved. <laughs> um, this has his right hand. In much the right same way that Vicky Guerrero is beloved and did really good work in order to become beloved, so... Hats off to you, Mr. Morella, and thank you for all the years of entertainment. So would you consider him more of the on the working side of... Oh, of course. Well, I mean, obviously. I mean, he yeah. gets in there, he's doing split drop-downs, and he... Yeah, of course. He, he, he figured it out. There, you know, you reach the audience and tap into a certain thing, and you don't have to do a whole bunch of stupid, you know, death-defying, life-endangering moves. Just neck-endangering. Well... It's rough business, not ballet, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, he made a tag team with uh, Vladimir Kozlov work. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? He's made everything work, and, and he's he's done it. He's been a great soldier. So, and, you know, we're not saying this like he's going to go away like Vicky Guerrero went away. Word is that he's going to stick around and be on TV in different roles. But if he's not actually taking an active participating part in wrestling, I don't know what that would be other than an occasional, you know, Ron Simmons damn appearance. Yeah, or like, I think it might be one of those, uh, like, the you know, Ric Flair would be like kind of the promotional ambassador. Yeah, yeah. one of the, which would be a good, that's a good thing for him. I mean, he's recognizable. He's, I think they, he was active in the anti-bullying and, you know, doing a lot of, lately he was doing some stuff like promotion stuff at like appearances at like um, events or stores or things like that. Sure, and the few times they've had him on some of the DVDs or some of the countdown specials, he's very articulate as well. Well spoken, represents the company well. So hopefully he'll be one of those guys who has a job there. I mean, twenty years from now we'll be seeing a pull apart between you know whatever fourth generation superstar and somebody who's still hanging around, probably Triple H, and uh, <laughs> and we'll see Santino run down with his jacket on to go help break something up. Oh, we'll talk about gosh on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, um, it's you... weird, isn't it? Weird that when we were kids and they'd have those pull apart moments. And the guys that would run down, there was that one doctor guy with the kind of bushy hair. Yeah. The guy from uh, or L.A. Uh, uh, Rene Galay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, usually like, uh, what, uh, Gerald Briscoe, Pat Patterson. Before, yeah, before they were like the Stooges, quote unquote. Right. But now we're watching these pull-aparts and it's guys we grew up watching. It's Fit Finley, it's Dean Malenko, it's... IRS. IRS, it's... Uh, Jamie Noble. Jamie Noble, Arn Anderson, you know, pulling people apart with one arm, arm, one arm Anderson, and, <laughs> one arm arm, yeah, one arm arm. I can't even say it right. One arm arm. <laughs> we'll go with that. It's like Demon Kane, maybe baby. One arm arm. <laughs> so yeah, it's weird that those guys are guys we grew up watching. Now it's kind of it's like watching baseball now and seeing guys like Terry Pendleton coaching third base for the Braves. Like, oh man, I remember when you were waddling around the bases. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, yeah, but... Uh, off on another tangent. Well, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, but we have uh, SmackDown. We'll talk on that really quick, and then we'll jump into Raw. I guess. I don't think we need to go through the whole card-by-card card thing. We just whatever stood out. Yeah, so we got... So we can take a look at this here. We have uh, Biggie and Cesaro. Anything? 
Uh, I mean, other than the fact that they really need to S-can this whole uh, Big E talking like an old uh, a plantation hand, like <laughs> or an old religious southern preacher from the 50s or 60s. He should be coming out in a pure white suit. Like, Him and Slick should team up. And- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They could call themselves Slicky. And it'll be, they'll just come out, I'll say now, where's my yard bird? Like, that's, that'll be their sermon every week. Or bring back Devon and do the preacher gimmick. My, how the mighty have fallen, man. It looked like, not long ago, Big E was poised for a big time push, and maybe they're going to put him in the main event title scene, and maybe even they were going to tease a big showdown with him and Cena or something, and now he's just, uh, I will stand up. What's he chewing on? Sentences. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Bray Wyatt is the eater of worlds, and Big E is the eater of sentences. And you know what? It goes straight to his boobs. <laughs> and his legs, too. Jesus, those things are huge. Yeah, but those boobs, like, they're, they're buoyant. They bounce. <laughs> buoyant? Yeah. <laughs> because he would go boing. Yeah. His, his, his boobs are active members of the roster. Their names are Mike and Buoyant. Okay. <laughs> We have Sheamus and Del Rio in the everlasting feud that's gone on for how many years now? Are you still talking about SmackDown or is yeah. this Raw? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know. Every time. You know what else is like that? Um, I told Rachel, uh, my girlfriend and uh, one of the uh, producers, aside from Fran Mooney, who takes this back to the control center and doctors it up. Sure. She'll throw in once in a while when uh, needed. Uh, and also uh, lead artist on the Massacre Twins webcomic. Uh, stay going to those websites because we're going to have some new stuff up soon for Comic-Con. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, when Ross started, I looked at Rachel when it was, uh, I think it was the opening match, was uh, the Usos and the Wyatts. And I was like, oh, goody. <laughs> I was hoping earlier today. That I was like, you know what? I haven't seen enough of the Wyatts versus the two big dudes. Now, granted, the match was spectacular. The matches that they've had, the pay-per-view match at Money the Bank was spectacular. But, God, how often have these guys been thrown in the ring over the last three or four months? I feel like we've seen every combination and iteration of it there can be. Put the belts on the Wyatts or don't, but let's go in a different direction. I guess there's no other tag team, so bring up the Ascension. I mean, let's do something different. Uh, yeah, Sheamus and Del Rio, same type of thing. Oh, Sheamus and Del Rio on SmackDown. And then, oh, what was it? wasn't it Sheamus and Del Rio again on Raw? And then Sheamus yeah. and Del Rio on main event for the U.S. title. Uh, I, I why all these matches? Why don't they just put the damn belt on Del Rio and be done with it? <laughs> An Irishman and a Mexican fighting for the U.S. title. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, you know, it's the spirit of the diversity of. I don't know. It's the spirit of '76. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Seventeen seventy. This was on on fourth. This taping was from for Fourth of July. Yeah, it sure was. So <laughs> that's it. Sure was. Yeah. Thanks, Cotton. That's it. <laughs> All right, we had um, Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton. You know what? Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton on SmackDown and on Raw, two fantastic matches. I mean, just great matches. And Dean Ambrose does all the little things that the young guys need to be watching in order to make themselves stand out. The way he sells, the way he moves around the ring, the, the things he does, and the order he does them in, he never looks lost. He always looks like he has a purpose for everything he's doing in that ring. Yeah, I I gotta agree, and I, mean, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, 
we'll have a disagreement somewhere. But um, yeah, Dean Ambrose. I I love watching Dean Ambrose. I mean, I certifiably think he, I think he's certifiably crazy. <laughs> the way he, the way he puts his character over, it's great. Well, and it's, the, oh, go ahead. And he's sticking to the um, you know, whenever wherever his promos are freaking gold. Whenever he says, whenever yeah. he gets the mic. And the whole thing you have right now with him trying with him stopping trying to stop Seth Rollins from cashing in his money in the bank, I love that. Sure, and let's give some credit where credit is due to for, for these uh, matches, these two matches he had on SmackDown and Raw with Randy Orton. Randy Orton has been just one of the top two or three guys in that company for the last year and a half. And he they talk about him being the face of the company as part of the storyline. You know, usually uh, JBL will mention it as the heel commentator, but. He really has been like the workhorse of that company. I mean, he's worked with everybody, Daniel Bryan, Cena, you know, and just made everybody look like a million bucks. Like he's not being selfish in that ring at all. No. <laughs> no, yeah. No, he's kind of, I've come around, I'm starting to, you know, I, you know, I was not a very big Randy Orton fan. I thought he was kind of boring, but he's kind of come around. I think working with more, with Triple H is more being hands-on in the back, maybe something like that, or working with people like him and Flair. And they were, you know, back, you know, maybe talk to them backstage, actually doing what you should be doing and asking advice or taking advice from people and taking it to heart. Well, he's been good for a long time. I mean, he's always had the natural athletic talents. But after working with Evolution, I mean, obviously you could see just the evolution of his his talent. He just got significantly better. But over the last few years in particular, I think maybe the last strike that he had uh, kind of was a wake-up call because there was that long period where every time you saw Randy Orton, you knew he was going to be putting somebody over because they weren't trusting him and, and they were kind of slapping him on the wrist uh, after that last uh, uh, drug uh, suspension. But um, ever since they've plugged him back into that main event scene, ever since SummerSlam, really, where he won the title from uh, Daniel Bryan, he's just been on a roll and putting having fantastic matches with everybody just making everybody he's in the ring with look great. Roman Reigns, I mean, just he's been maybe their top guy. And uh, I think uh, maybe because he's a heel or maybe because he's part of the authority storyline, he's not necessarily getting the credit he deserves for it. Yeah, and do you think now, because at first they, it doesn't seem they're really going for it as much because they mentioned how Seth, I mean, not Seth, uh, Roman Reigns wanted to, you know, say, I'm going to take, you know, basically say, I'm going to go, I want, I want Orton. But it seems like they're kind of building to Orton. I mean, not Orton. Sorry, uh, Triple H and Reigns. I think for SummerSlam. Yeah, very possibly. That was when the they had rumor. that when they had that stare down and seeing them and crowd chanting is awesome. They're, I mean, Roman Reigns again. That's another guy who's kind of stepped up. Still learning, but yeah, geez. there's still moments where you can tell he's green. Like whenever he has that microphone, and whenever he has the microphone, as evidence this past Monday on Raw and the crowd's chanting. Uh, Cena sucks. You know, we, Let's go, Cena. Cena sucks. And he doesn't know how to handle those moments yet. I mean, he handled it right by stopping and not trying to plow through his promo and talk over the the universe because, they, you know, they're going to win every time. Yeah. But he stopped. He looked to acknowledge them. He should have just either kept straight on with his promo or said something else about Cena. But they're still kind of nudging him up to that top spot. He's not there yet. He's got a lot of momentum behind him. But by no means is he there yet. So taking your position where they're trying to position you as one of the top baby faces and taking your opportunity on the microphone to then turn to the other, the main baby face of the company who just got the title back. Yes, I understand you're in a match with him at the next pay-per-view, but uh, 
coming out and just saying, when I'm in the ring, Cena sucks. Like, I think that that was a sign of his uh, lack of experience. Because he could have come up with something uh, that was either more friendly, not necessarily friendly, I'm saying. It it was, because what happens, here's what happens. And it's the thing that everybody should be teaching young wrestlers just coming up. You have a promo. Now, Roman Reigns has just said, when I'm in the ring, Cena sucks. So what happens when the inevitable happens? Because you know it's going to. And they go, Cena versus Reigns. Does anybody think that Reigns is going to win that first match or win all their matches straight out? No, of course not. Well, if you ask the internet, it should. John Cena is the (laughs) face of the company. So more than likely, when and if that happens, they'll tease it with a match or two. And Cena will win. So now... Roman Reigns has just gotten beat by a guy he just told the universe sucks when they're in the ring together. What does that say about Roman Reigns, who just got beat by a sucky guy? That Roman Reigns sucks. Well, not sucks, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But it's going to make him look bad. Sure. It, it's it's like uh, Dolph Ziggler. One of the things that... I love Dolph Ziggler. I love his work. I love his character. I love everything about the guy. Probably a little biased towards him because he does stand-up comedy. But um, he has fantastic matches all the time but he's been jobbing 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 job 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 for about all you know like the last eight months or so up until uh recently he's gotten a couple wins under his belt looks like they might be starting to blow a little wind into his sails but he's losing 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 and every interview he's cutting with these pre-show post-show very impassioned but all about i am the best i'm the best here and i prove it every time i'm in that ring how by losing Mm-hmm. Like, are you trying to be insider and say, like, oh, despite what they, you know, I st- still prove I'm the best and I steal the show. Well, decide what you're going to do, because right now they're trying to go to more storyline. They're trying to get the universe to believe, you know, in the, the, the suspend their disbelief and believe in the stories. And, and how they range. can't believe you if you're telling them you're the best and you're losing all the time. Do something different with that opportunity. Show frustration something but don't keep insisting you're the best when you're losing consistently for months um so this is one of those things from roman reigns where like i felt like he was on the spot maybe he clammed up a little and he's trying to show that he's got the chops on the mic to carry this and maybe one day he will but right now he doesn't just yet no he's got that thing he's got the tools but just doesn't hasn't fine-tuned everything yet yeah it's it's there it's in there it's inside of him just needs to be to be brought out He's got, he's got, he's got a great look. I mean, he's got the look that people. No, no, I'm just saying. But well, I'm gonna talk, just talk. I just think it's funny that, like, I mean, that ship's pretty much already sailed. Everyone yeah. knows he's got a great look. Yeah, I mean, just saying. No, he's got, the, he's got the the women go crazy for him. Guys want to be him, kind of thing. He's got the, he's got his wrestling. Wrestling is fine for a big. He's a big guy. He knows what to do in the ring. But yeah, just being able to talk on the mic, like when you do like some of those skits backstage, he's fine. You know, because you can, you can just do, you can, you can do like, do over, you know, say, you know, you know, fine tune it that way, editing, whatever, or, you know, doing it over a few times, those backstage vignettes. But yeah, it's a lot different when you're standing in front of that, in front of 20,000 whatever fans, and you're left with the microphone and no one else is the ring to tell you, oh, cut, let's do this again. Well, he never said anything even in those. I mean, the extent of his promoing, promoing, in those uh, backstage segments with the Shield, was sticking his fist out and saying, "Believe that, believe in the Shield." So it's, some it's, stuff he would do, like with like, I guess when a little more when he's trying to be like the ladies' man kind of thing, where he's doing that to Vicky or to uh, Renee. Oh, when he's trying to be charming, yeah, yeah, I guess. But I think that's just 
him letting little pockets of his personality out, which is good. By him being a teaspot, sort and stout. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just one of the, it takes a lot of practice to be that good, that naturally uh, comfortable on the microphone in front of people to be able to collect yourself, pause, think of something, improv on the spot. It's real difficult to do, especially since they script all your promos now. I gotta believe that a when I'm in the ring, Cena sucks. Probably wasn't part of the script he was given. No, it's, I think Vince kind of went, what the hell did I just say? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation, this next pay-per-view they have coming up, because it's kind of... You got the Fatal 4-Way with Orton, Kane, Reigns, and Cena for the belt. I'm not understanding. This is another one of those scenarios we talked about, I think, in episode one, where we were saying... If the authority doesn't want Daniel Bryan to have the title, why not just fire him? Why not just take the title off of him? If you're the authority, you don't want Roman Reigns. You didn't want Roman Reigns in that title picture um, to begin with, hence why you ordered Vicky not to put him in the Battle Royal. Then why not just not have him in the match? Yeah. Just go, guess what? You're facing, I don't know, there was somebody out there. But um... Triple H tried to tease it on uh, on Twitter, which is another thing WWE is doing really good, is using their social media to help further these storylines. With the um, and they stay in character, unlike some people. With, with uh, you know stare downs that Reigns and Cena have um, have had, you know he posted a tweet that was uh, like that's uh, what was it? it was something like that's why we have Reigns in the match. And I saw that before I saw the main event Monday, and I presumed that what that was for was Cena had uh, like Reigns had taken out Cena somehow. But then the end of Raw came, and Reigns actually saved Cena. And then they were raising each other's hands at the end and smiling at each other like doofs. So, where I don't, I just, I'm not kind of getting. I, I think that this is still the ramifications of them having to switch things around for Mania and kind of book as they go. They're just catching up to themselves, and so now they're trying to figure out where to go with it. So right now, it's not really as polished as it could be. They got a lot of great things going on. This whole storyline with the uh, Authority. While the characters of Hunter and Steph are maybe getting a little played out, like they've kept the momentum going really strong. Um, but there's certain elements of it, like the Seth Rollins turn, like uh, like Reigns' involvement with uh, against the Authority versus Ambrose's that don't quite vibe. But I think they're just trying to piecemeal it as best they can right now. Yeah, I'm. I mean, like I said, I do like what they did with uh, Ambrose and having him being the guy to try and prevent it from happening. And I still don't get what's with Seth Rollins' like Snake Plissken costume. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, he still has the money in the bank. So every week now, we're going to be putting with, "Oh my God, is he gonna? Is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it?" Then you know. Oh, and then every week also. And then Rain and Ambrose then will be Ambrose there to thwart him. Will, yeah. So of course, that's what's going. I think it's going to lead to a match where it's going to be money in the bank on the line. Personally. Yeah, maybe. And that I've seen be... that happen before. Well, it has happened before. Yeah. Uh, what? Who, who? Somebody beat Mister Anderson for it. Was it uh, Edge? Edge. Yeah. yeah. And then didn't? Um, I, I feel like somebody else. Cena. I think it. Cena might have done that, or somebody. I think was it CM Punk? Maybe I don't know. Someone did that where they also oh, another one where they had it on the had it had a match on the line had put money in the bank on I the line. I feel like Jericho lost one or won one or something that that way. Yeah, uh, I don't remember though. But anyway, yeah. But it's been done before, and sure, it, and it could work with 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 them. Sure, sure. I know you're not the biggest um, Seth Rollins fan, um, work wise, want to say, or wrestling wise, person wise, person wise. <laughs> I just don't like I don't know person. Seth Rollins. I've never met him. I just I just there's nothing about his character or the way he works in the ring. I feel like he's too fast. 
or his hair. I feel like he tries to move around and do too much in there, and a lot of times it comes off sloppy. That's still that kind of... Kind of that indie spot mentality. Ring, like ring of Honor spot mentality. Not Ring of Honor as much, but maybe, yeah, the indie mentality. He's learned how to work an audience to the point where he made the Shield gimmick work, but still in the ring. Like I remember uh, some months ago when it was the Shield against CM Punk and some people, and Punk and Rollins tagged in, and everyone thought, oh, this is what we've been waiting for. This is, And it was the most junk, like awkward, clumsy uh, few minutes... Like, they were blowing spots left and right because Rollins was going too fast, too fast, too much momentum. Which, you know, if you got that speed, you want to show it off. But Shawn Michaels had speed. He showed it off, but everything registered. He knew to let everything soak in a little bit and not to do unnecessary, like, you know. I, I don't know what the little clothesline thing he does is that kind of looks like the Matt Hardy uh, twist in the wind when he hits the clothesline on somebody. That's one of those indie things where he does, like, a flip around them or something and yeah. then it's close. I just hate that stuff. It takes so, me right out of the match. And then his outfit, like you said, I mean, at least he's still wrestling with a shirt off. But that thing, he comes to the ring and he looks like a, a bad villain from a, a G.I. Joe knockoff. <laughs> but uh, maybe we can talk about, well, maybe, well, since we've been talking about it, we can go into Raw. Let's, we can start with the main event if you want, because we're bringing us Seth Rollins right now. And how do you think him and John Cena work together, though? Because that's kind of the first, maybe it was a kind of a way to see how they work, would mesh together. On a raw, you know, like they would do that on a raw, like a te- little bit of a tease, but you know, of course, teasing money in the bank. Of course, of if he does somehow, Cena gets incapacitated, would he cash it in? I don't know. Like they told a decent story. Uh, Rollins was using his speed and quickness to try to to get around the slower Cena. The one thing I didn't like about that promo, that backstage promo that set up the match, John Cena's what thirty four years old, thirty six, thirty six, something like that. Still in the prime of his career, still probably given the way he wrestles and his genetic makeup has another ten years in him, perhaps, probably another several championship title runs. Christ, like a, uh, I don't think 15. Hogan won his first title till he was what thirty five or something like that. And you know, different times, but he had it from probably the equivalent in time, but he only had it, what four or five times, something like that. Yeah, I don't know, but um, for for them to already be going to the old man smack, it's it's a bit early for that i mean i get that the entirety of seth rollins career basically cena has been on top in wwe but cena's still the man quite clearly quite clearly capable of still going in there and you know having good matches and pushing his body it's not like if hogan were going out there trying to trying to compete still or flair so the old man this and that it was just it seemed easy which all of seth rollins promos to me seem easy it seems like you looked at the big you know uh book of wrestling cliches for dummies <laughs> and every promo of his has that and big reason why i'm not a big fan of his but the match itself was okay it did what it was supposed to um but then again he was in there with cena cena can pretty much work with anybody so and mostly as a push for the fatal because i especially saw the end with like the spears and all this stuff it's basically a build-up for for you know, for uh, the Fatal Four Away, sure. So, which and, I really hope Cena still has the title coming out of the Fatal Four Way because it's way too early for Reigns. Still, Reigns needs a big build up, maybe to go to WrestleMania 31 and win it. Maybe now um, they have him kind of do what he did at the Royal Rumble, just like beating, like just eliminating guys. Yeah, yeah. Maybe have him win the Rumble. That's how he goes. But because he came close, he came close last year. So right now, I think Cena's the guy that needs to be on top for a bit. Even though I'm a big, I'm a much bigger fan of heel champions and babyfaces chasing. 
But um, right now, uh, Orton's kind of boring. Kane, eh. So Cena's the guy. Cena needs to stay with him. And then we'll see what happens at SummerSlam, because right now, I guess, whatever was quote-unquote leaked or whatever, where they have it, it's Cena. Les- could be Cena Lesnar, but, you know, time will tell. Well, that'd says. be cool, man. Like, if, if they did Cena Lesnar, and one of the proposed uh, angles that was talked about online was Lesnar winning the belt, going to WrestleMania with it, and that's when Reigns beats Lesnar. Now, for all the people who complained about The Undertaker and Lesnar not being the guy to take The Undertaker's streak, what kind of rub do you think? All the people who said, oh, Taker should have lost it to a younger guy. Uh, He should have lost it to a younger guy to give the guy the rub. What do you think is going to happen to Reigns if Reigns beats the guy who beat the streak? For the title. Oh, it's going to, it's going to, the guys that say strap the rocket ship to him. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly what I said when the loss happened is that just because Lesnar was the guy that got the rub doesn't mean somebody else isn't still going to get the Taker streak rub. Exactly. Which sounds like a really bad uh, sex act that you could get in a massage parlor in a back alley somewhere in Tokyo. Or WrestleMania weekend at some place, you know, or some CD alley. Yeah. No, you know. <laughs> Sure. Taste their own. Yeah. But um, what else? We, oh, we had, you know, we talked about, you had the Whites and the, we can move on, but Whites and the Usos, same thing. It's It's been the same thing. It's like, come on, either, you know, have them win the belts or move on to another, to another, uh, another feud, which we'll just move on. The angle that I'm most excited about going forward uh, into the future, SummerSlam or wherever, is Jericho and Bray Wyatt. Yes. Jericho and Bray Wyatt. And, and by the way, welcome back to The Miz. I mean, Miz getting in the ring with Jericho on, on Monday and showing he hasn't lost a step. Hopefully he can work no, his way back up with that movie coming out into a, a main... And I think The Miz, he gets... it's unjust, A lot of the criticism he gets is very unjust for the guy. The guy can talk. The guy can wrestle. The guy can work. We you know, we, we knew saw when he first started here when he was doing UPW Eider. He started, like everybody else, he started in Independence and worked his way up. He didn't... He could have gone, oh, I'm on MTV. You guys should... WWF or WWE, you should hire me. No, he started like UPW and worked his way up. Yeah, he worked indies. He, he, he went around the country some and... It definitely wasn't just, hey, I was on MTV, cast me for Tough Enough, oh, I have a contract. Uh, I don't really hear much of that smack anymore, though. Like, I don't think that there's so many Miz haters still, other than people who hate him for the right reasons, which is that he's obnoxious and annoying and a great heel. And that's like him, that's actually, if you met him, I'm not saying he's, he's annoying or anything, but just like his kind of persona is like that up, up like it should be in wrestling, is that to a tenth degree. Big rumors also online, and if it's on the internet, you know it's got to be true. Yeah. About uh, Ric Flair possibly making a full-time return to the roster to manage The Miz, and I'd really hate to see that. I mean, that's another one of those Heyman-Cesaro situations, except for reversed, where the crowd wants to cheer Cesaro, but Heyman's uh, like the most effective heel on the roster, versus Flair is beloved. No matter what he does, nobody's going to boo him. And you put him with the Miz, who you're trying to get over as a heel, who doesn't need anybody to help him get he over. He can talk. Like, he's great on his own as a heel. Uh, some of the word that was floating around out there was that Flair specifically asked to come back to work with Ziggler. Now that could be interesting. Yes, because, that would be. Like Ziggler has all the tools to be the next incarnation of the Nature Boy. Not that I think that they should go that way, but he, have the rub of the he, na- of Ric Flair saying this. He's, this is the guy. He's got. Just as much talent makes everyone look like a million bucks, just like Flair did. Bumps and moves around the ring better than Flair did, and and I would love to see that happen. And that's something that's a natural storyline because Ziggler's been losing last couple of weeks. He's been winning, but 
You could have him go back to his losing streak and have Flair help coax him out of it and help him get his confidence back. But Ziggler's injury prone. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm always glad to see Ric Flair back on TV. I don't necessarily know that I need to see him with The Miz. No, I mean, they had him where he gave him the figure, not gave him the figure for, or something like that, where the figure for you. Was it he gave it to him, or he started using it because of Flair? Something like that, whatever it was. Yeah, but now he's doing it, but mm-hmm. it's still, that still gets, still gets, you want him to be a heel, but people are, sure. no matter what you do with the chopper thing, now you're going to get the woo, woo, right. you know. Someone who wasn't on Raw Monday night, conspicuous by her absence. Nice iPad case, I'm going to steal it, because I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. No, I, I don't really don't think that's what happened. I think it's just they, after what happened, you need to kind of, kind of lay low for a bit and then bring her back up. But I don't even know that they need to lay low. I think it was an honest mistake. I mean, obviously none of us were there, so we don't know. But if you're making WWE money, you grew up in Australia, and you came all the way, you went to Canada to train, and then you toured the United States on the indie circuit, now you're making main roster WWE money. Why are you going to gank an iPod case, 20 bucks? From Walmart of all places. Like I don't think I don't think there's a, a a galaxy that exists where Emma even Emma is that stupid. Nah, I, it it's happened to people before where they've like you know they've had a bunch of stuff like at the grocery store where they've got oh shoot I forgot to pay for this. Well, and, let me tell you too. The report was that she got uh, popped at one of those uh, the self self checkout stands. Those things suck, man. Every time I've ever had gone up to one of those, they've been a problem for me. So I can totally understand. Where she might have had an issue being from Australia and being blonde and not knowing how to work things like men do. That uh, <laughs> oh, where she might have had an issue and it didn't just didn't scan or something. So um, and plus it's Walmart. I think it was blown mm-hmm. out of proportion. I think it stinks that WWE released her to begin with. Uh, we thought that when we sat down to record, we were going to be talking about the, the release of Emma. They came to their senses later and rehired her back because they realized the same day how <laughs> stupid it was that. Jack Swagger got pulled over for pot and for DUI, and uh, I forget who else had a DUI. Naomi, and then Naomi got Na- no, no, uh, Cameron. Cameron, sorry, try to get a uh, try to bribe an officer, right? And then Emma gets uh, popped and immediately released. Like that just seemed really knee jerk to me. So I'm glad they reversed decision on that. But uh, yeah, what what a, what an unfortunate situation. Yeah, hey, we can move into something else. Unfortunately, Alicia Fox is on TV again. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty um, unfortunate. Yeah. So anyway, Nikki Bell had one hour time behind her back, then she wanted to do be a heel and just beat the crap out of her. No one cares. I um, started to almost let me let me say something about that angle real quick. I just watched main event earlier in the day. Um, what was it? Main event? Yeah, I think I just watched a replay of main event where uh, on the network where uh, Nikki Bella had to team with Alicia Fox against the Funkadactyls. And Alicia Fox kicked her in the face. Then on Raw, they have one arm tied behind your back, and referee ties Nikki's arm behind her back, and Alicia Fox kicks the crap out of her. Then I guess uh, either this, I think this is on SmackDown, she's against like eight divas. For a second, for a second, when Stephanie McMahon came on the Titantron, I felt a little bad for Nikki. I thought, oh man, this, they're really screwing with her. And then, uh,. She had the match with the one arm tied behind her back and got her her face kicked in by Alicia Fox and sucked. Like, she didn't register any of it. She didn't sell any of it. She doesn't do crap. So I immediately stopped feeling bad for her and started rooting for Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, and then the the crowd, even during it, was chanting boring. Well, because Alicia Fox. And it kept going. And it kept going. You're just like, dude, when are you going to stop? 
It's like, cut yeah. to commercial. It's like, remember when uh, TNA, when, when RVD came in and Sting just beat the living crap out of him with a bat for like 20 minutes? Because they couldn't, yeah. they wouldn't cut away? It's like, come on. Well, I mean, it... Because they had to prepare it, for another that's segment. A, that's a weird thing. Yeah, that's a weird thing to criticize because obviously they stayed on it because they're trying to tell a story. Like, there's a reason they stayed on it and it was that long. My problem with it wasn't the length of it. It was that Alicia Fox just looked like, or uh, Nikki Bella, rather, just looked like regular old pouty Nikki Bella um, after it was over instead of, you know, registering pain or registering, like, when she got kicked in the face on main event, like, registering any kind of anger. She just gets that, stick my lip out. And I was like, I'm why sad are you I here? got up. Yeah, why are you here? Your your much hotter, much more interesting sister isn't even on TV right now. Why are you here? <laughs> and we have Rusev and Van Dam, which was what it was. You know what though? Rusev put no. Oh, Van Dam doing doing what he's supposed to be doing now, putting over uh, the younger talent. Hey man, and ever since that match with Big E on the pay per view, uh, I've actually kind of enjoyed what Rusev's doing. That match with RVD was a pretty solid match on Monday, and uh, you know Rusev. I still that gimmick's still not registering really well with me. And they're doing everything they can, the big Russian flag in the background and stuff. Uh, I'm anxious to see where they go with the Jack Swagger thing, because I think that could be an interesting matchup. But yeah, that match with RVD was pretty good, and the match with Big E was outstanding. So uh, I'm, I'd actu- I'm actually starting, I never thought I'd say this, to look forward to Rusev versus, again, I never thought I'd say this, Jack Swagger. <laughs> actually looking forward to it. I, like to, I mean... If he can, maybe it's one of those things where if he's in there with good workers, he can work. If he's in there with, you know, someone, like if, or if they can go step by step with somebody and go, this is how it's going to be, then, then great. I think that's way too smart and way too inside. We have no idea of that or, or no, I'm just how good of a worker he is or isn't at all. I think it's just that he's getting comfortable in his role. He's getting comfortable on TV. He's green still. So he's still learning, you know, how to work and how to get comfortable in front of a camera. And I think he's, like his uh, his character has evolved a lot in subtle ways over the last few weeks. Yeah, teach him wave that damn flag though. <laughs> he waves it so angrily to him and Biggie. I know. I don't know. Like, can they watch like hacksaw Jim Duggan tapes or something? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, then we had a rematch from SmackDown. Randy Orton, Dean Ambrose. Great match again. Great match. And at first, I was a little like, oh, that kind of sucks that they had Orton go over clean, but. They're they're positioning him as like the top heel right now. I mean, he's got they got to put him set him because he's in the main event. Right, got to keep in that picture. And the other thing is one of the things I think that's fantastic, and both uh, Ambrose and Kofi Kingston, who miraculously got a win over Cesaro Monday again. For like, I'm so confused by that. Uh, if they think anybody's going to care about Kofi Kingston at all, and I like Kofi Kingston, I like his work, but. They just had him lose for so long, nobody gives a crap anymore. But uh, He was a put-over-everybody else guy. But he came out with his ribs taped, and Dean Ambrose came out with his shoulder taped, still selling the results of the pay-per-view from last week. So what made Dean Ambrose losing that match to uh, Randy Orton okay for me was, oh, he's super injured from that, that ladder match. Although, logistically, Orton should be just as injured from his match. But... Yeah. You know, uh, Ambrose had his shoulder all taped up and everything for a couple weeks. So when Orton started attacking the shoulder and then he got pinned, I was like, oh, okay. He Orton won, but he pinned a guy who wasn't 100%. So it still doesn't really hurt Ambrose that much. Yeah. That was a really smart way they unfolded that. Yeah, and Ambrose's main, and you had a, and still no main, Ambrose's main, main focus still is Seth Rollins. Right. So, 
This is just like a little feeler, a little little treat for us, I guess you can say. But it was a great match, and they work really well together. And Dean Ambrose just works well with anybody. It looks like. Sure, sure. And then uh, what's it looking like on uh, SmackDown uh, this coming Friday? Uh, Reigns versus Rusev. That could be potentially really bad, or it could be really interesting. Yeah, because they've had them where it was like that last. They were the last two in the battle royal, and it was the crowd. The crowd kind of ate it up because they're like, because Rusev barely left, has barely left his feet, and you know, again, Reigns being the guy that's total badass, and you're just like, oh, here's just a forced immovable object. Let's see which one budges. You forgot to mention the the highlight of Raw. I'm still going. Damien, the Hitman Sandow. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to bring that up next, actually. Oh, because you went back to the main event, so I figured that's usually the last thing. So oh, no, no, we got a few things to talk about. So. You're just skipping all over, aren't you? Well, that's what we do. <laughs> okay. Oh, we, you know, we said we go off the rails and come back sure. and go off again. So, anyway, Bret Hart, looking like a grandpa, <laughs> comes walking out with his little untucked button-up shirt. It was sad, man. Earlier in the day, he Instagrammed a photo of himself getting in the car to go to Raw, and I legit thought, oh, my God, he looks so old. No, he does. Like, he has like he has a really gray hair, and he doesn't want to color. Maybe it's like to remind himself that he's old. I guess I don't know. I don't even know that he needs to color it. It's not just his hair that makes him look old, though. It's, it's his, his face. face. Yeah, well, he also had a stroke. Yeah, well, that stroke made him look old. <laughs> it did, um, but Jeff Jarrett had stroke too, but he still looks great. <laughs> different. That's a different stroke it took. Everyone. To rule the world? Yep. <laughs> nice. Um, Everybody's got a special kind of story. Yeah. Everybody's got a, what is it, place to shine? Something like that. They all died. It don't matter what you got. Not a lot. So <laughs> what? You have yous, he'll have his, and she'll have hers, and I'll have mine. Different strokes it takes. Yeah. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes to rule the world. Yes, it mm. does. Mm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so where were we? Oh, yeah. Dana Different Santa. strokes. We were talking about Dana Plato. Oh, yeah, she died, huh? Yeah. Okay, anyway, so Damien's... Oh, speaking of dead, Damon Sandow, with his career right now, going with the uh, imitations of of other wrestlers. I don't know, can't really call his career dead. He's still on TV every week. There's certain guys, cough, Adam Rose, cough, that got moved to superstars, so... Oh, God, that's sad. But, uh, but yeah, I'm really getting tired of seeing Sandow in these crappy roles. And what the hell was the point of bringing Bret Hart out for that segment from Montreal? Didn't get that... He was on TV for like three minutes. Yeah, you gotta, all I do is got to, he had to punch the guy, and then he went into the match with, with, with Sheamus. I guess on SmackDown this coming Friday, uh, they do a highlight reel where Jericho's guest is Brett. Well, that's because they, that's and, all, sorry, go ahead. And Damien Sandow comes out dressed up as Shawn Michaels. Oh, God. And uh, Brett ends up punching him and then putting him in the sharpshooter. It's like, okay. Look, I get Bret Hart's Bret the Hitman Hart. As a matter of fact, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later, WWE just added classic episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event. First thing I did was go look at the moment that got me into wrestling, which I'd completely forgotten about Bret Hart was a part of. Um, But he looks so old. Why is one punch of his knocking Damien Sandow out of the ring and to the floor? Why is he able to punch Damien Sandow to the mat and then... uh, and then put him in the sharpshooter. Like, Damien Sandow's young, in shape, not affected by a stroke, remembers <laughs> to wear his bicycle helmet when he goes out bicycling down the sidewalk, uh, doesn't get kicked in the head by Goldberg. You know, he does all not these things. Of, he uh, does everything right. The Bret Hart's later life wasn't that wasn't very fun, I guess, it seems like. Well, I guess not. Maybe he should have thought of that before he threw his brother off scaffolding. Oh, God. Oh, no. Not conspiracy theory. Oh, I'm just saying. Wrestling with shadows. Anyway, so uh, 
So where, <laughs> so where were you? Oh yeah, Bret Hart is basically beating crap out of a old, of a younger, more in shape, bigger dude. Yeah, because he's dressed like Shawn Michaels, which they, which is kind of dumb because I already had a thing where they, that whole thing where they buried the hatchet, had a DVD together, and talked about it, and went, you know, we've gone moved past it, and blah blah blah, and I think even said on on um. On, I think it was on one of the Legends Roundtables, you know, we would have been great if it got past the Regos, and they did. Sure. And it's kind of like when, uh, what was it, when um, Rampage Jackson was on Raw, and like, P- Piper was trying to do a thing, like, acting like he was Mr. T, when he was because he was B.A. Baracus in the A-Team movie. It's like, what the? Makes <laughs> <laughs> no sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, it's it's a thing that we'll get having a highlight reel Usually that's reserved for Raw or SmackDown, but they really are trying to sell that network on the free preview because they gotta get those numbers up, which we're gonna talk about later. <laughs> sure, <laughs> some sure. Little stuff. Some we're gonna. It's something's gonna balance out the bad with the good or good with the bad. We'll talk. We'll see. You decide. Um, so next we have through a first time on TV in about a year, Chris Jericho wrestling against the Miz. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Great match, and uh, you know, just both guys look great. Yeah, and. Uh, we're furthering the furthering this feud between um, um, between Bray Wyatt and Jericho, which is going to be a great feud. It's a great rub for um, for Bray Wyatt, and the fact that they're, what they're pulling is I I love is that Jericho's still doing his thing, but he he keeps pointing out this is not that same company you come back to, and the same or the same situation with someone like Bray Wyatt. That's something he's never dealt with. Yeah, maybe, and and with Jericho being in there, maybe who knows? Bray Wyatt can actually win a match. Yeah, yeah. Or, or not, without the help of a little five year old who talks like he's he's who talks with a voice distorter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we had oh this is this one actually is interesting to me involving divas. Wow, the thunk it. We had that was fun- interesting to you. No, well the thunk it dactyls against AJ and pa- the team of AJ Lee and Paige. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, I thought about that when I was watching it. I'm like <laughs> Paige. But um, but you know, we had the Funkadactyls breaking up, which I don't, I can give a crap about. No, I'm uh, happy about that because yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see where Naomi goes. I think she's got a, she's a star. But AJ Lee and Paige. Now, to me, I, I think everyone kind of points to, oh well, you know, eventually Paige is going to turn AJ. But the way AJ is, I, to me, it's who's going to turn on who first. You know, the thing is, and we talked about this last week, the way they set this up with the way Paige came out suddenly talking like a heel and then aj came back and beat her for the belt i'm just not into the storyline i was really anxious for aj to come back to see those two mix it up and i'm still interested to see the matches that yeah i'm still interested to see the matches that will come from that but uh this whole thing they're trying to do with oh like Paige is showing respect and oh this is weird and oh one of them's gonna turn on the other i just i don't care at all even a little bit at all I care a little bit. Maybe it's because my infatuation with Paige. Yeah, probably. But um, but yeah, I'm, for me, I, I, I'm kind of interested to see because you know, or it could be a thing where it's like where Paige does try, but AJ's like, you know what? I I know how you how you because if anyone knows crazy, it's crazy. Yeah, maybe. But uh, I don't know. I I just think it would. I, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to the matches. I think that they really dropped the ball on the story element a little bit. I mean, we're yeah. The thing for me is the sudden. Where suddenly, yeah. oh, all of a sudden, I'm angry. I'm angry and aggressive, right? Which they could have worked on a little more. Um, here's we talk about Kofi Kingston being defeating Cesaro again, which is kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's going to advance a feud between looks like Big E and Cesaro, and I, Big E coming out with you know right, eating kind of Pac Man eating sentences as he runs down the run down the hall I, down the aisle. I kind of like what they're trying to do with their undercard. It looks like they're trying to put guys over on guys at you know different 
intervals to keep that idea up of anything could oh, happen. anything could happen, anybody could be beat, everybody on the roster is a viable superstar. The problem is there's no way to keep to do that consistently enough to get anybody to get a shine on anybody without jobber matches. You know, I miss those. Yeah. There's no superstars, so there's no well, there is, Kofi but... Kingston coming out and uh, well not like there used to be. Yeah, yeah. There's no show where Kofi Kingston's coming out beating people and getting back on the right track and then facing major, major superstars. So he's going to beat Cesaro a couple times. There's no way he's going to you know, win the title from Cesaro or something. Yeah, and then cuz then and then happens is, "Oh, look, Cesaro, he, oh, he lost to Kofi Kingston. Why, why would I care?" Because well, even because you know, like you said, he had a long. He's had hasn't won that many matches. Then all of a sudden, he's winning matches. Yeah, I don't think it's going to affect Cesaro at all, though. Because I mean, there, he's it's not like he's beating Cesaro handily. You know, he's getting roll up wins and whatnot. I think it's just going to be difficult to try to engage Kofi back into a a, a viable uh, character when he's just been you know left to be crapped on for so long. Yeah. They they almost need to just reinvigorate his whole thing and have him come out either turn him heel i'd love to see a heel kofi kingston when he showed glimpses of what he could do uh, uh angle orton. with orton several years ago guy can talk guy's believable yeah. turn him or at least let him get a little bit more edge think, to him yeah and i think with the network you could do that i mean they do have like jobber quote-unquote jobber matches they have them on nxt why not do that on the new superstars or have another kind of program where they can have that, where it is where they can see that you know, oh look, his, his win streak's back. You know, they used to do that all the time. Yeah, Bill Monsi would talk about like, oh look, he's back. Or they would do like the events, the uh, the real control center with Sean Mooney talking about, oh, he's got a streak going. You know, so and so, and have like these promos of like, you know, I'm, you know what, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm tough. I'm ready. Come bring it on. You know, all this kind of stuff. You can show like their characters and show like they're just wrestling. I'm just coming out going, yeah, <laughs> you know, I've never talked. I hardly ever do. Um, it's kind of like that they go back to, you know, we had comments from earlier, which I love they're starting to do that again, but it's kind of few and far between. How many great moments did we have from our childhood of major angles getting started or furthered on that little platform where me and Gene was interviewing people? A lot. And I remember Bret Hart and Roddy Piper talking about growing up together before they were in a continent title match. I remember Million Dollar Man uh, attacking Jake Roberts. So, or any of those barbershop segments. Brother Love. Parlor, yeah. Brother Love. So there's there's ways to, to kind of engage characters and try to get them into the consciousness of, of the uh, universe. But having a guy that you've just shit on for so long and now suddenly trying to put him over on guys like Cesaro where nobody's going to believe Kofi Kingston beats Cesaro straight up. Say a best of ten, best of seven. A mark, uh, and, then you have, and then you have him just, then you have Cesaro beating the crap out of him after the match. Well, that's good. I mean, they need well, to try to do whatever they can to get heat on Cesaro. Uh, I, you know, they still love, the problem is people still love Cesaro. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's. I mean, they're they're not doing any WWE's booking isn't doing anything wrong by what they're having Cesaro do because they're trying to get him over as a heel, regardless if that's working or not. Yeah. Ow! <laughs> it's kicked something. <laughs> it sounds like it. Uh, we have the and then uh, so we can end on this for Raw. Bo Dallas versus. Oh, what a great thing to end on for Raw. He's become my favorite part of any broadcast. Yeah, and I love the fact that JBL, when everything you do, he gets all angry, but then he's so serious and passionate about Bo Dallas and how it's inspirational to everybody. Bo Dallas is working that character phenomenally. He's solid as hell inside the ring. The whole presentation, what they do with the camera angles and stuff, the, Bo Dallas has got just unlimited potential, and I don't think I've seen somebody come in and make an immediate mark like that 
uh, in a while. I mean, usually they bring guys in and, uh, you know, maybe they might have like a, a Ryback or something start off pretty hot. Or well, he didn't even start off with doing that. He was in in the Nexus or whatever. He got hurt, yeah. But the last time they brought a guy in, like I'm thinking back to Mister Perfect or Umaga. I mean, I guess like with the Rusev thing, doing the undefeated. But uh, yeah, a guy like uh, like a uh, Kurt Angle, I guess. Yeah. But Kurt Angle had a pedigree behind him too. So like what Bo Dallas is is doing. I mean, I'll tell you one of the things that was my favorite thing, and it's such a small thing, but when he interrupted uh, Daniel Bryan at the pre-show. And Daniel Bryan called him a boner. His facial expression, just the way he went from that big, like, dopey, like, insincere, saccharine grin to, like, this, oh, <laughs> I'm putting on a, a face even though I'm not happy with what you just said to me. And I really hope that, you know what, if they, when Daniel Bryan is healthy and he comes back, if they're not going to plug him right back into a championship role, let him get his feet wet and knock off the ring rust by having a program with Bo Dallas because that would be tremendous. Yeah, and usually you would cringe at something. Oh, he's look, he's going to wrestle El Torito. He made it work. He did, and it wasn't a thing where look, El Torito's doing Huracanas, which I freaking hate when they do that to people. Or like all of a sudden he's doing Huracanas like three hundred pound wrestlers. No, they did things where it would be like low blow or things like that, and he overcame and did he did the the running bow dog off the second rope, not yeah. the third, not the top rope the second rope and then doing a little victory lap and just knocking him over and not even like stopping to go Are you okay just kept walking and go ah believe in everything bo dallas is money he's absolute money and I, i'm i'm loving everything he does yeah and, and it's just a far cry that he came from when he first came in that whole little program the short program he did with um wade barrett but yeah what brought we came in with the cowboy boots and just like being a i'm, a, I'm bo dallas i'm bo dallas that's yeah it. This one, and you know, because then that was the last time I saw him, and then complete 180 when I came back to, and I got the network and I started watching um, NXT, watching NXT, and it was just diff- way different character. And I just all he had to do was one, like maybe one promo, and I was I was hooked on Bo Dallas. Yeah, the show little feature. I'm going, oh, they're doing this. I'm like, oh my god, this is great. He's he's a he's kind of like the Rusha the Rusha brothers thing where. He thinks he's a face, but he's really a heel, and everything he does is heel. That's a great correlation to him and the Rougeau brothers. I hadn't made that connection yet, but that's absolutely right. It's the same way where they're almost uh, unaware of their own um, obnoxiousness. That, or they just know the obnoxiousness pisses people off. Well, I, yeah, they know it. that, but yeah, but they're, no, what I mean, they're like, trying to get across is that they're they're not doing it intentionally, even though it's clear that they are. It's yeah. that dramatic irony. Yeah. And it's great, and like, and Bo Dallas can run with it with with things, you know, with when things happen, which is we, like we talked about with, with um, uh, Roman Reigns, how he did something a little improv. I think like some of the little things he did, like when he got the mic knocked down, he's like, "Oh, butterfingers," and everything like that. It was great, sure. And like he's, he's you know, the thing about the oh, they're not saying Bo Lee or what was it? Um, they want to know more about their champion. No, go no, no yeah, more no Bo. more Bo. Yeah. yeah, the no more Bo. That was great, right? So. You know, just stay tuned for Bo Dallas. If, if, if I mean, I don't know how you're not hooked on him now, but just just wait if you're not. Sure. Um, so that's pretty much it for Raw. And then coming up, you know, coming up next week, we got more stuff. So <laughs> coming up next week, more stuff. Yeah, more wrestling. Well, you, you had the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, Editor in chief, uh, our, our boss man here at FanboyNation.com, big boss man, home of Steel Cage Carnage, RC Samo, um, has really uh, thought, gotten a kick out of the fact. That we've put over so hard the WWE Network the last couple of weeks, almost like a, as if they were a sponsor, which they're not. No, no, no. We're, we're just, just big fans of the service. But this week, you have a problem. 
Franny's got a problem. <laughs> well, I do have a problem with it. Well, the problem was... Was it Monday Night War, the, the preview involved, episode? It involved Monday Night War. The one that none of us on the West Coast got to see because they aired the commercial for it on Monday Night Raw uh, while okay. it was airing on the network? Yeah, exactly. So they basically were, if they were going by East Coast time, and I, I was going off, you know, looked on their Facebook page and said, oh, I, I, I looked at it, it as around 11 o'clock at night because I say, oh, maybe it's a West Coast thing to wait till after Raw and then put it on the West Coast. Nope. What happened was, while that was playing, was the second that played at the around 9 o'clock, which would be the second hour of Raw for people here on the where we are on the West Coast. And so nobody, basically, they were trying, it's like, are you trying to split your audience? Just because not everybody uses their DVR. People want to watch Raw as it's happening. And that's a majority of people. And certain, certain cable or satellite services do do an East Coast feed. But then they DVR it and watch it when they get home and watch it later. But, again, nobody here got to see it. They're not having it on, on, the, um, on, demand, on the on-demand service part of the, of the network. It was played live, and that was it. People asking, they're like, nope, it's not going to be up there. Well, the good news is, I mean, it will be up there eventually but when still, the series but, launches. Yeah, but when you're trying to do this for a free preview and trying to catch your audience, wouldn't you want it to say, hey, this is what's coming up? Not just go, oh, well, if you missed it, you missed it, so uh, screw you. It's I like th- when I'm paying for this on-demand service, when they also when they have said everything that's played will be thrown onto the is going to be up to be on-demand. Yeah, but there was no promise as to when. I mean, I, I like the idea of them using it as a preview to try to suck people in, because that's one of the most... But we've got to let uh, people be able to see it first. That, that's one of the most anxiously awaited uh, original shows that the network has to offer is the Monday Night Wars um, they should have taken the West Coast into account. I feel like too often they don't uh, when they do like certain uh, like text, you know, for this or whatever. Oh, like like it's, the, it's, the polls or the live it's event, yeah. Strictly to the live crowd, which is mostly East Coast, South, especially given the time uh, difference. But That's about a three-hour difference for us. They should have aired, re-aired it on the network uh, for the West Coast people for sure. It was actually. Um, I'd have been okay with them. Not. I was surprised that they didn't have it on demand. Uh, they will eventually, and I'll catch it when it comes back onto air. But uh, it was disappointing because uh, Rachel and I both looked at each other when that commercial aired. And we're like, "Oh, sweet!" And we went to watch that right when Raw was over, and nowhere to be found. So. Yeah, nowhere at all. I looked on the schedule, nowhere. Yeah. not even. It was all like Money in the Bank replays. So great idea on WWE's part to try to use that as a dangling carrot to get people to check out the free week of WWE Network With to try no to entice card. more signups. <laughs> But kind of screwed the pooch on us West Coast cats. Yeah, it did. And I think, I'm wondering how many people were, if it did happen too, or the, on the East Coast too, said, oh, you know what? Okay, I'll cool up. You know, I'm, I'm done with Raw. Let me go do my stuff or whatever. And then I'll go watch it tomorrow. Or I'll watch, you know, get, I'll get that preview uh, a little bit after Raw. And they're screwed. They got nothing there to watch. Well, yeah. But uh, I think that that's not necessarily a bad on WWE's part. Um, it's the first time out for a thing like this. So that's, you know, going to be an unfortunate thing. But if they can train the universe to know, yeah, when we say we have an advanced preview of something airing at this time, you better catch it. It's appointment viewing because we're not putting it up right away or it is just like a special thing. I think that's the thing, too, is they didn't emphasize what it was going to be. They sure. Just, if they would have said that and like people, were like, OK, I got I need to catch it. But but then the same thing is for West Coast or maybe even Central or whatever. They didn't get to see it because that was it when they played that one time. Sure. Until August, which some people are very impatient. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm willing to chalk it up to growing pains. It was annoying and a little disappointing. I'm not so fired up about it, though, because I know it's coming. 
they're they're launching uh what in August or September? August I think it's August now. They're, yeah. They're, at first they were gonna try and do it in fall, so, but I think it's gonna be August. Next month I'll be able to catch what we missed and you know, the episodes to come. But yeah, uh, half of a smart idea on their marketing point for the network, but uh kind of a, a step in a big pile of it when you you uh Throw in your, your, do your, it so haphazardly. Yeah, just like when you get it up, it's like get it up. It's like we'll give it a bit. But oh, but to balance that out they're now starting to air, well, the first two years of this, two, two, I guess, seasons, you could say, of Saturday Night's Main Event. That's right. Or no, three years, 1985, 86, 87. Yeah. And, and this was, you said, that was one of your moments that, from, and there was one of the moments that you saw that. Yeah, the moment that, that made me a wrestling fan. I can remember flipping through the channels and landing on uh, Saturday Night's Main Event, or a replay, rather, because it was, uh, it was they showed it on Superstars uh, the next Saturday, and it was the moment of the Hart Foundation holding Randy Savage while Honky Tonk Man cracked the guitar over his head and then beat the crap out of him. Uh, and Liz went back to the back to get help after uh, Honky Tonk knocked her to the ground and brought Hogan out. And it was the formation of the Mega Powers. The first, yeah, the first yeah. kind of tease. I'm like, what are you doing, brother? Right, which was, uh, that was the first moment that, that captured my imagination and sucked me into wrestling, made me a Hulkamaniac, made me a wrestling fan for life. Um, and so I went and watched that episode. Now, what was funny about that episode is I didn't remember the whole episode because I didn't see it when it originally aired. Yeah, just highlights. Right. But, um, that episode also was marked by being the debut for the music video of Piledriver. Uh, really? And if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, please go to, I don't know if it's on the network, go to YouTube, go to wherever you can, the Pirate Bay and look for WWF Pile Driver. It was the uh, second music album they put out in the eighties, and the uh, the the music video for the main song Pile Driver with Hulk Hogan and a bunch of other WWE babyface superstars. It was Coco Beware singing, right? Roaming a uh, oh, I think a, more than one person site. was singing. Roaming a construction site with uh, no shirts on. Oh, of course, <laughs> construction well, hats. It's the 80s. Yeah, so, you know we're you know no goggles or anything, but construction hats. Uh, it's very homoerotic, as is uh, on that same album was the uh, music video for uh, Girls in Cars with Strike Force. We can't forget uh, Jive Soul Bro. Jive Soul Bro, which was in inter- the whole, if you can find a, a copy of the tape, uh, it was hosted by the uh, Doctor of Style Slick. And in a completely non-racist moment oh, yeah. whatsoever, no. he's sitting in a Kentucky Fried Chicken-like establishment with a bucket of chicken, getting ready. This is Slick's a black man, by the way. A tall, thin black man. The Jive Soul Bro. And, and he was a manager. And he was a manager. And he's going to eat his chicken and notices the WWE cameras. And doing that whole fake, oh, I didn't see you there. And as he's getting ready to eat his chicken, come on, man. You got... How are you gonna not let me eat my yard bird? <laughs> wow. Oh, like that too is like I think it's like Louisiana hot sauce and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, you know, that's not racist at all. Yeah. No. But uh, uh, it worked in the eighties, I mean just saying. But it's an, it's an epic album and every video on there is epic and Pile Driver is especially epic for all the right and wrong reasons. Yes. So uh, make sure to check that out. It's at the end of Do you remember what yeah, what the date was on that one? I don't I think it was eighty seven though. Yeah, I know it was eighty seven because uh I just remember it being 87. Okay. <laughs> and I was so trying to piece the timeline together. I think it has to be near the end of 87 because that's 88 to 89 all for SummerSlam. Yeah, because 80, 88 was when they went to SummerSlam against uh, the Megabucks, right? Uh, I think and I that, so. Right. And Liz flashed. 
And then it was another Saturday. Wasn't it wasn't a Saturday Night's main event where she uh, got knocked off the apron. It was the main event. The on main a Friday event. night because they was coming against the Twin Towers. Right, and then that well, led sad, to sad. We know that. Yeah, I mean, not sad. But it's kind of the ultimate powers explode. WrestleMania Mega five. Powers. Mega powers. Yeah, ultimate powers. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate power has exploded. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "Why is he doing a really crappy Jim Rome impression?" Jeez, <laughs> uh, yeah. but um, but yeah. So I mean, it does balance out. That's bounce out. So there's still gonna be more of. Saturday Night's main event to be added, but also when people were asking about, because of the Monday Night Wars, people did ask who saw it, the select few, um, that they said, you know, well, uh, is Nitro coming? Is this like, if you guys want, Nitro is coming, will be added to the network in time. Um, You know, like they said, just, it's a thing where right now, I think just to entice the the audience for, to get more subscriptions, they're just going to have those first couple years of Saturday Night's main event added on, along with all pay-per-views and whatever else they got up there currently. And, and even Thunder's coming. But, you know, we don't want to talk about in that. Paradise. No, but Thunder, WCW Thunder, and then you know maybe we can see the episode we were on. Yeah, right. That was gosh. That was where you you got Stevie Ray mad at you. Yeah, and that's where you held up the sign for Goldberg that said "Jurific." And I had the one behind Lex Luger said, "You smell like cheese." Yes. And if you ever seen his wrestling, you know we can you know it smells like old cheese. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, do you have anything for before we? No, just check out themassacretwins.com and all the social media for the Massacre Twins on Facebook uh, and all that good stuff, as well as the social media for Steel Cage Carnage. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us at FanboyNationSCC on Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram also. Email us at SteelCageCarnage at gmail.com. Uh, let us know uh, what your favorite Saturday Night's main event moment is, or if you have one, or if you're just liking the network in general, or if you're liking what we're doing in general, or if you like pie. We remember, like to talk about pie. Remember, remember where hate mail can be sent. Well, I, yeah, I guess we can wedge that in there. Uh, no, I'm just saying we can send You've heard the last episode. <laughs> well, sure, but those kind of, those were instances that come up naturally. If you want to send hate mail, send it to the Wrestling Buddies uh, at iTunes. Or yeah. not at iTunes, but on iTunes. On iTunes. <laughs> yeah, because um, there's friends of ours, and I guess we had to get the plug in for them. Sure, why not? Um, they do it for us, right? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so I did find... One thing I did want to point out, some cool things. Yeah, I guess we can... Maybe one of those things we can have like a little cool intro for later down on the road is cool things on the internet. Um, one thing I did find, I found on a site called uh, GeekLeak, which is... I'll give them a plug. GeekLeak.net. And is that when you spit on somebody by accident? No, like you're that, talking, that's Gleek. You're talking to the, no. It's the it's the Gleek is the monkey the, from Super Friends. I thought that was that show with the uh, retarded kids singing on Fox. <laughs> that's Glee. Yeah, isn't that what you said? No, I said Geek Leak. Oh well, whatever. It's the same thing. No, it's not. Nobody it's OD'd. A, no. Oh, okay. They OD'd on awesomeness on from this site. Oh, but okay. um, but one they they posted geekleak.net posted was a it posted like I want to say a little not a little over a week ago, maybe a couple, week ago maybe or so week and a half I don't know um I know I'm going to go into the site why am I asking you I don't know but um one thing I love is they put something called if you go on the site look for video games with WWE commentary and you can find on there they have some uh, some they found from YouTube was somebody overdubbed Jim Ross commentary on video games some of them include Resident Evil Four. Uh, some of Zelda games, Mario Kart 8, especially with everyone's looking at the evil Luigi eyes that keep going by. They keep, they keep starting to become a meme on their own. But it, the, only, the sad part about the it's it's hilarious to me, but sad at the same time because it shows how much I miss Jim Ross doing commentary. Sure. I watched uh, his boxing debut on Memorial Day, 
and I'm listening to it, and it was a little awkward. Like uh, he gave himself a B plus. I'd probably agree with that. Um, but he just I'm listening to him, and I'm like, man, that wrestling's just not the same. Yeah. I and I mean, especially when you got JBL. Just I, I asked Rachel uh, when we were watching Raw last night. Does he get paid just to blurt whatever stupid thing that comes into his giant fat head right out of his big bloated mouth? <laughs> like, he's just, whoa, 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 Cole. And Cole's like, just shuts him down. And he's like, no, stupid, talk about the match. And then he's like, oh, kittens. Like, what? What are you talking about, JBL? I'm trying to bring up something that, like, has nothing to do with it or just some, like, random fact from wrestling. Yeah, I just wish, like, every once in a while he'd say, like, JBL would say something, like, really dumb. And then Joey Styles would be hiding under the ring, and he'd just pop out, sock him in the jaw again, and then duck back <laughs> under the ring. <laughs> uh, Joey Styles. But, uh, yeah, so once again, if you want to check that out, go to geekleak.net. Looks like the... I was looking at the site, and... <laughs> I was saying for if you want to see this Jim Ross commentary uh, video. I wish I'd remembered you were going to plug that before I plugged all of our social media thinking we were ending the show. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we can plug it again. It's our, sh- it's our show. That's true, huh? But, yeah, check it out. Looks like it's run by two... two uh, uh, geeks, two, two geeks, two real geeks at heart, and uh, not the full on. Oh, look, I wear glasses. I'm a nerd. No, I wear glasses because I can't see crap. Um, but they seem to be know what they're talking about. They love. They're actually are full on geeks, and they love wrestling. Nice. And they're female, which is kind of cool. Here's something that uh, uh, is also interesting. Uh, I'm glad I thought of before because then we can actually announce it now. Uh, us two lugheads. Uh, have conned Love. a couple of people into letting us talk like we're doing here to you right now about wrestling in front of actual people at the San Diego Comic Con uh, down in San Diego. San imagine Diego Comic Con in yeah, San yeah. Diego, really? This uh, in just a couple weeks, uh, the biggest pop culture convention in North America. Uh, hundred and what is it, like hundred thirty five thousand geeks descending upon San Diego uh, the last weekend of the month. We will be on two panels. One is on, I believe it's a Thursday, 11.30 to 12.30, with Rick Offenberger from uh, firstcomicsnews.com, which will be how to get uh, news and media coverage for your project. Uh, We'll both be on that, uh, along with a host of other people, uh, Glenn Howman, um, Alan Kinsler, my bad, uh, uh, Tanya Tate, who, uh, if you guys aren't fans of, go look her up and you will be. Uh, (laughs) And then on Saturday night of San Diego Comic-Con, uh, 8.30 to 9.30, if you're going to be there, come check us out. It'll be uh, me hosting a panel called Not-So-Strange Bedfellows, the relationship between comics and pro wrestling, where we talk about and look at the parallels in storytelling and character development in pro wrestling and comic books. Um, the creative team behind The Second Shift, Scott Lost, and everyone son will be uh, on the panel, as well as Michael Kingston, the creator of the Headlock comic. Uh, Fran will be there, and rumored, not confirmed yet, so we won't say who, uh, a wrestling star from wrestling. <laughs> really? star. In the San Diego Comic-Con in San Diego. Yes. Wow. Yes. So hopefully this year when we announce if that person comes through, uh, that person will actually come through, unlike last year when we had Rob Van Dam uh, committed and something came up. So... Um, so yeah, and also uh, we always talk about the Massacre Twins, but we'll have some once again like last year of our awesome promo strips to give out, limited to six hundred sixty six because we want to scare people. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> check all that stuff out. Uh, thanks again for listening. We promise you to stick with us. Uh, this show will uh, evolve. Um, some of those uh, comedic things we talked about doing last week 
hadn't yet had a chance to come to fruition, but working on other bits and gags to hopefully make this more than just two uh, slugs sitting here talking about what they thought about uh, wrestling during the week, which is cool, but we want to make it a little more entertaining for you. So uh, as the weeks go, so will this show, and we hope that you'll keep listening with us. So thank you, and good night. <laughs> that was abrupt. Yeah, it was. Enough this time for a change. I don't want you to push away. 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 I